The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast. We are on year-round. We do have a ton of things to talk about. Always. Steve has things to discuss about the NBA, about MLB, We're always talking NFL. You guys have about a million questions lined up for Steve over the next couple weeks. It's interesting. You all have like your own theories, strategies. It's very entertaining for me to toss them up to Steve and have them just shoot them down based on the numbers. I I quite enjoy it, but keep them coming, please. Ross at RossTucker.com. There's no such thing as a dumb question because you guys know I ask Steve dumb questions all the time. So fired up for today's show because one of my buddies, and we go back a long way, he's been on this show before, Nick Costos will join us. He's a sports betting host, personality. What I love about Nick, he is the founding father of Wagertainment, and he hosts You Better You Bet on Odyssey, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And here's why I wanted Nick on. First of all, Nick, hi. How are you? What's up? Great to be on with you guys. We're awesome. Thank Steve, you for coming on the doing? show, Steve. As always, thank you for being here. Happy to be here. And, and Nick's going to be a great addition today, I can tell already. Yeah, so here's the deal, okay? Nick and Steve, actually, you're not as dissimilar as people might think. You both have incredible personalities. You're both very funny. Uh, you're both very entertaining. However, Nick is literally the founding father of Wagertainment, while Steve is like a 20-plus year professional sports better that makes his money, the vast majority of it, from betting on games. And so it's interesting, Nick, because Steve talks about uh, other shows such as yours from time to time. But what I like about you, Nick, is you make no bones about who you are and what you're doing. You even call it wagertainment. You don't come out and act like you're some expert that has been, you know, winning at a 65% clip since you were 22 years old. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because that's 
I have been gambling since I was 22. Well, before 22. I started betting on sports in 2004. So when I was, how old am I now? How do you know that? How do you know that? I always stay mentioned about that. It was my senior year of college, like first semester of my senior year of college. I graduated in 2005. So it was 2004. And I remember the first bet I placed or one of the first bets I placed. And it's really, it's, I always tell this story. Um, I bet Oklahoma State was ranked in college basketball on the road at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma had the big white doofy center, Kevin Bookout, I remember. And I, I don't know why I remember like the little details like that. And Oklahoma State was a one-point favorite, and they were ranked like 18th, and Oklahoma was unranked. And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, wow, the ranked team's only a one-point favorite. They're going to kill them. And then Oklahoma, of course, won by like 15 points, and I lost. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a, a great, like I think, like allegory or whatever for like sports betting in general, right? One of my first bets was that. So, yeah, like um, my income, and I, I, I bet a lot. So I bet like, you know, when we have a night when there's NBA and college hoops and football's going on, like I'll have like, I don't know, anywhere from seven on the conservative end, on the low end to like 20 bets a night. So like I, I bet a lot, um, but I don't, I, I, like my income is derived from my job. Like I get, I'm a professional talker and I, and I get paid pretty well for it, which is great. So yeah, I, I, I'll make no bones about it. I am not a professional better, but what I do and why I think my show succeeds, Ross, and I appreciate you saying nice things about it is we, I surround myself with really smart people on the show that like that do kind of derive an income um, from betting. Some of them do. And some of them I think are, are absolutely really, 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 really sharp, sharper than me. And I just happen to be talented as a talker. And I think that I'm pretty, Sharp also at, at times and in points as well. But yes, but it, I, I am not trying to make it like I am like God's gift to sports betting because I am not. No, but the thing is I love about you is you, you are who you are and you make no pretenses about it. Like you're very entertaining. And I also think a lot more people can relate to you and having a bunch of bets and you lose them and you commiserate together. You win some, you love, you know, the rush, the sweat, whatever, like as much as people listen to Steve and they, if they followed Steve this season on the NFL, they killed it. They're not Steve. So like, unless they just get his bets and they can follow him on Twitter at Fezzik sports and know how to get all of Steve's bets. But the reality is like, Steve, you know, the numbers, the reality is people that listen to Nick's show or listen to our show or Maybe not ours because we've done really well, but but most shows, they're probably not going to win, and they can relate to Nick being real, being like one of them. Does that make sense, Steve? Well, I do want to say that we did. We have won two seasons in a row on You Better You Bet, so I do, I do want to say that, and I'll give a lot of credit to my co-host, Ken Barkley, for that Lockie Lockerson, but we have had a couple good seasons in a row. That's awesome. That's awesome. But, that, but my point is that people, like, they can relate to you. Yeah. Like they're feeling the same emotions you do as you're talking about it and you're angry at a guy, like uh, you're angry at a guy because he does whatever or you're happy. Like people can relate to your highs and lows. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably right. Um, yeah, I kind of get that a lot from people that they kind of really enjoy that. And I think it's like the authenticity of it. I think it's really important and kind of like what we do for a living. And this is more from like just from like the broadcaster perspective as opposed to like the sports betting perspective where like I just am who I am on the air. And that's me. And Ross, you've known me for a long time and you know that I'm not putting on airs. Like that's really how I am like when I'm not on the air. So like, yeah, like I get pissed when I lose a bet. I get pissed at an athlete just like, you know, the coach. 
It's like everyone else does when they're watching a game. But um, but we're gonna, I, I'm gonna try to tell it like it is all the time on my show, one way or another. Like if I feel really strongly about something, I'm gonna feel strongly about it. If I don't feel strongly about it, I'm not gonna BS and tell you that I do. Like you know, um, I do a ton of media um as part of my job, and before the Super Bowl, I did you know. Uh, hundred interviews that week. And I'm only exaggerating slightly. And they're all like, what's your, what's the best bet for the Super Bowl? Like side in total. I'm like, I didn't actually, I actually didn't bet the Super Bowl full game side in total. Um, they're like, how could, how could that be? How it's the Super Bowl. I'm like, well, I, I think the line is right. And I think the total's right. So I'm not going to bet it. So I bet first half Rams two and a half and under 23 and a half. Um, it was a white knuckle to the finish there, but I was able to cover both and hit both, which was really great. But it's like, yeah, like that authenticity, right? Like I'm not going to get up here and tell you that I love a bet if I don't actually love it. I think there's a responsibility that we have in the sports betting space where, you know, people are going to bet the stuff that I say and talk about. So like, yeah, like I'm not a professional better. So if I don't feel like really strong about something, I'm going to say like, I don't feel that strongly about it. If I'm just betting for action, I'm going to say I'm just betting for action. And maybe you don't want to tell me on this, but if I really do like something and I can make an intelligent case for it, I'm going to do that. And I think that even though like, and I'm not claiming to be, I don't have Steve's like wealth of knowledge with this. Um, Steve's been doing this a lot longer than I have. So I'm not trying to make it like I'm in that class, but like, I, I think that I'm certainly capable of sitting down and handicapping a game like and being really smart about it to the point where, and I think that this NFL season really honed my process to the point where I'm basically comfortable with like 98% of the bets I make. There are a few after the fact where I'm like, eh, you know, probably a bad bet. My process was flawed, but I really feel like my process when I make bets is like really strong. So even after the fact, if I lose, I'm still like completely content with the decision I made because I feel like going into it, it was right. And people get very results oriented. And what I say is like, you know, you could cross a really crowded street and make it to the other side and it doesn't make it a good decision because you didn't get hit by a car. Like it was a stupid decision to do that. So you can make a bad decision and have a good result. It doesn't mean because you got a good result that it was a good decision. And I think that kind of manifested itself in some of the playoff games against, and especially with Cincinnati. And we can talk about that if you'd like, where I feel like I don't really regret the bets that I make, even the ones that lose some of them, certainly. But I think that's the most important thing, right? Is for your process to be sound. Um, and I feel like that's what I really honed this football season. Steve, are you like that? Like you, you I, I know you're not necessarily, you don't have a lot of regrets for your bets, right? No, I have regrets all the time. Actually, I would say <laughs> like 20% of the, I'll give an example. So last night I get a text from one of my sharps and he's like, Oh, Boston college is one of their key players out. Bet Florida State. And I see the screen stream going ahead and steaming on Florida State. It goes up to one and a half to two. So I bet Florida State pre-flop. And then wait, I'm like, wait a minute. I just watched Florida State play Duke. They had five starters out. They were a dead man walking team in that game. And I text my guy and I'm like, are the Florida State starters back? And know what he says? He says Evans is. Well, first off, I can't name any basketball player other than that Timmy guy for Gonzaga. So that's no good. <laughs> I'm saying you're telling me one of the five guys is back, and like, but the, and the guy's like, well, the Boston College guy's pretty good. And I'm like, the hell with this. I'm I like, didn't think that was a bad bet, like honestly. A bad habit. I, I didn't bet Florida State last night. I don't think that was a bad. Boston College sucks. I thought that was a good. Listen, they got killed, obviously. So I guess I was wrong. I didn't bet at it all. It wasn't Florida State. Apparently, isn't playing. The entire Florida State team is a wall. They're and a I'm disaster. Like, and then I'm like, is it a guard that's that's out for Boston College? He says yes. I'm like. Well, then we're going to play the effing under because one team is missing a key guard and the other team is missing their entire freaking team. And like you said, BC sucks. 
and and like literally making the sausage like six minutes in, I'm hammering under 39, under 38, under 36. I just keep going. And ultimately, yeah, BC and under was the way to go. Yeah, but isn't that different though than like an NFL bet where like you spend the entire week analyzing something and you feel like you make a good, like I bet the Raiders, I think the best bet I made of the entire NFL playoffs, I bet Raiders plus six and a half in the wild card round against Cincinnati. I think it's the best, and it lost. I think that's the best bet I made the entire playoffs. What can whoa, you do? Whoa, whoa, hold a second, hold a second. Nick, what, let me interject real quick. Steve, would you ever bet six and a half? No, because of the asymmetric risk of you're always trying to get seven. However, in this case, it Nick was exist. actually correct because the Raiders opened six and a half and then every sharp loved it and it dropped down to five and a half. And so you were never going to get seven on that game. But having said that, um, Nick, uh, Ross and I talk about we never take the bad side of a hook ever because I'll use an example. It was so obvious. It was my game of the year that the Rams were going to crush Arizona. And the line oh, good. I should have listened to you because I bet no I, had Arizona, I had Arizona plus four and a half. And I thought it was a great I, bet when it closed three. I should have listened to you, I guess. Well, I said there is no way this line can possibly go to three. Arizona sucks. They're playing terrible. Their quarterback isn't running anymore. And the Rams are a Super Bowl contender. It cannot close three. Not only does it go to three, it goes to minus three reduced VIG. So if you believe in the world of CLV closing line value, Nick plus four and a half had the dead nuts you know, value going into the game. If you no, watch eight right. minutes of the game, you can like go ahead and take that ticket and rip it up. It's That's like, one that I regret. I have no chance. And I will say that. And like when it was three and like we do the show until seven o'clock Eastern. And when we're at the end of the show that Monday night, because that was the Monday night game and it's three, I'm like, man, like I want to play the Rams now, but it's like, I've already done all this. Like, and I had already bet Arizona. Like, so that that's one that I definitely regret. But Ross, like to Steve's point, like, Sure, like you could say, like, oh, like six and a half, like seven was never going to be there with the Raiders. Like that was never happening, and they should have covered. Like I thought that was a great. No, I know, but he always talks about here. Steve talks a lot about the asymmetric risk, meaning like if it goes down to six, you didn't really get. I mean, you got some value, but not that much. But if it goes up to seven, you'll you'd like kill yourself. Yeah, but like, but you knew that that was never going to go like that. Like you knew that that. I thought it was. I shouldn't say I couldn't go to three. There's no way unless the moon stopped orbiting the earth that the Rams would go to three. What would you what were you more surprised by? That that the Cardinals took money or that the uh or that the Bengals spread didn't go up? That, that the the dead Cardinal team took money to the for the life of me and like literally the pulling back the curtain. So I give it out as my game of the year, all right? And my my sales. The Rams, guys, the Rams laying what? Laying three. And my sales guy's screaming at me, what are you doing? It's 10 hours to post. You had all week to make it your game of the year. And I'm like, F- well, it wasn't three before it, that. So it was yeah. four. Yeah, of course. Or three and a half. My game of the year I minus understand. four. The idiots just bet it to three. What did you make that game? Curious. Because I think I, I think like when I like did my numbers beforehand, I think I made it three. And that's why I thought the four and a half was. Listen, like the Rams were the dead right side. I'm not making an argument for Arizona. Just that I thought that four and a half was like a valuable, like numerical bet to make when I made it. My power ratings only made it four and a quarter, but I felt that there was a free roll because I thought all was not right with Aaron Murray. Anyone who was watching him, for whatever reason, quarterback stopped running. And you know what? If, if you're a mobile quarterback and you're making a, bus- a business decision to stop running, just shut up on social media. Shut the hell up. You're oh, letting your team yeah. down. You're not putting your best effort forward. And the last thing I need is you to be bellyaching, crybaby about how the team is treating you wrong. No. Uh-huh. My favorite part of that, my favorite part of that, I said this on the Ross Tucker podcast, 
is that he's he he has a social media post about how he's not into this nonsense when he literally started the nonsense by getting rid of every mention of the Cardinals or every picture on his social media. Like, he initiated the nonsense, but he's not into nonsense. It's like a Seinfeld routine. And by the way, the stuff that Mortensen said about Kyler Murray, I've heard that from multiple people. Okay, It's not like breaking news that – you know, he's not exactly the hardest worker over there and doesn't have some maturity issues. But listen, here's what I've said about Kyler Murray. I, it would be hard for me to blame him. Can you imagine what it was like for him growing up as the number one overall pick in football and baseball? Like, life has been ridiculously easy for him. I mean, he starts three years in Texas high school football. They never lose a game. I wouldn't work on my game either. If I was the fastest guy on every field I've ever been on in my whole life, and if I never lose at anything, and I'm the best, and that's how I got high school, it's how I'm the number one pick, so I'm a first-round pick in baseball, he probably has never really had to study the games that much. Like, he's probably never had to go to the next level from a detail standpoint because he's always just been faster and better than everybody. That, that can't be easy. You know, like, okay, should I go study? Uh, watch more film or I hook up with all these girls, in Oklahoma that want to hook up with me because I'm Kyler Murray. Like, I don't know. I'm still going to be good on Saturday. Anyway, I'll probably go hook up with the girls. Plus he's a heartwarming story for all the little people out there that shows that you can truly succeed despite, you know, being uh, compromised in height. Same like me. Yeah, but he's crazy, crazy fast. All right. Questions. So first of all, Steve, you got a point about, the NBA All-Star game I want you to make. Yeah, so if you bet the NBA All-Star total and you lost, you shouldn't ever bet again. You have, you have no idea what you're doing. So the NBA All-Star game opens 320. We've seen this movie before. We know the public is just going to have to have action on the game, and they're going to bet over. That's what the public does. We just saw it with the NFL Pro Bowl. Same thing. 61 gets bet up to 65 and a half. So the NBA All-Star game starts 320 and it's just slowly trickling upward. 321, 322, 323. And then day of the game, it goes all the way up to 325. And then what happens? It fiddles in the middle. It lands 323. And you're like, oh, the books got killed, right? Of course not. The books just did fine because the vast majority of bets they took was on the day of the game from the public playing the Double donkey Dumbo over 325. It's the, 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 the Nevada held 9% against the betting public in the Super Bowl. Every single person I spoke to won in the Super Bowl that I know in my circles. It was a really good Super Bowl. If you bet the Rams, you won. You played the money line, you laid minus 180. If you bet the Bengals, you won. You took plus four and a half, lay 105. Or you bet both and you won. You won on the props. So even though we're all winning, the, the Nevada is still holding 9%. Why? Because the public makes bets like the NBA All-Star game five minutes before tip-off over 325. The public has no idea what they're doing. Nick, did you bet the All-Star game over? Uh, no. 
uh, I bet I had peanuts on Team Durant just because I think like it's an All Star game. Like, how well, how do you appropriately price this? So I bet the underdog uh, that cashed. I had Carl Anthony Towns in the three point contest. Same feeling, like not that it was a lock, but just like there's uncertainty. No one in the contest. I feel like I'd ever been in it before or won it. So I took the guy with the longest odds. He won. I lost on the dunk contest, and I watched a grand total of zero seconds of any of it. I was drinking at a cabin in Lake George and really enjoying. My first <laughs> in Lake Dude, you know what's funny? This is how little I follow the NBA. When I saw Carl Anthony Towns in the three-point contest, I thought it was a joke. And he won, and he was awesome. I was like, Carl Anthony Towns? He dominated, too. It was great. And now, like, and because he's, like, a set shooter and doesn't have to jump, really, that's what, like, Reggie Miller kept mentioning during the broadcast. And now I feel like big guys moving forward are going to be overvalued because of what Towns did last year or a couple days ago, but it'll be. Do you say this about Obi, Obi Toppin? When he was at the University of Dayton his last year, I guess his only year, he um, no, he was dribbling in against St. Louis. They were Flyers were up like 22, and he did a dunk where he went ahead and he put the ball between his legs and slammed it home. Literally, I think that dunk would have won the dunk contest that he did against St. Louis. So, uh, dude, yeah, he was sick. We didn't get to see him as a one seed in the tournament, obviously, because of COVID, which sucked, because that would have really like even put him on the map even more. A once-in-a-generation Dayton team, hell, a once-in-a-century Dayton team cheated yep. out of being a number one seed. My goodness, uh, that was a bitter pill for Flyer fans everywhere. Nick, last thing. Um, do you have any takeaways from the season? Like, do you believe in that? Do you believe in, like, based on how this past NFL season went, you're going to be a little bit different when it comes to – whether it's teasers or a certain team or road teams or like, was there anything that you felt like you learned this season or do you not really believe in that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think it's like discipline as a better. Um, my process with totals isn't good enough. Um, I, I really like was not betting a ton of them down the stretch of the season. Cause like I had such great success with sides and this was the first year that I actually started like making my own numbers on games and I feel like it was like, it proved like really beneficial. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to like win all the time or win every bet. Like it's certainly not going to be the case. Um, but like, I, I feel like that process and like we do some rudimentary stuff like that on the show. Like during the off season, we'll do like a bunch of segments on you better, you bet. Like what's like the process of like trying to make your own number without an Excel spreadsheet, without being like super mathematically inclined and like, and, and you can do it. And I feel like it led me to make like a lot of really valuable bets this season. So I'm looking forward to kind of honing that process and doing even more with it, honestly, um, up until the start of, of this NFL season. I need to get back in the drawing board and figure out like my total stuff because my total process is not good enough. And I feel like it's kind of like my side handicap kind of gets lost in the totals a little bit where – when I have a handicap on a total, I feel like I should just bet the side because it's usually based on like, well, I think this team's going to score a billion points. Well, what if the other team doesn't score? And it's like, I sometimes like don't take stuff like that into as much consideration as I should. So I bet a lot less totals as the season went on. I would like to get better with that. So that's something I'm going to spend some time thinking about. Um, prop wise, I think that I had a really good prop season in 2020. And then I came out of the gates firing in 2021 and I was taking too many. And I think, like, I adjusted pretty quickly, like, maybe, like, three weeks into the season and really limited it down to, like, the ones that I felt best about. Anytime touched here, – here's one I'll give you. That was, like, actually really good. was really beneficial. So, like, kind of, like, limiting the stuff, like, the stuff you like the best is obviously smart. Um, where I was able to make a lot of hay and, like, where, like, I think, like, a lot of people on the show, like, did well tailing these bets that I gave out on Sundays on, like, the special Sunday show um, – 
finding like taking advantage of assumptions that the market's making. So like the Eagles were a great example of this all season. Like once Nick Sirianni pivoted away from like trying to throw the ball on every down, like an idiot, it was like, okay, you've got a really good offensive line and like really good running backs and a great like mobile quarterback. Let's run the ball more. And they always had like some facsimile of a committee, right? Where Miles Sanders, if he's healthy, was the lead guy. But I mean, all these other guys were always involved, whether it's Jordan Howard, um, with Kenny Gainwell, um, Boston, Boston Scott. Scott. So I, I personally hit like three or four Gainwell anytime touchdown props this year, like plus like 700 or more. Like taking advantage in a running back by committee where the market is assuming that the 1A is going to get the ball down by the goal line. Like, why are we assuming that? Like, why why can't, you know, for the 49ers, like Elijah Mitchell scored in the first game of the season. Like Trey Sermon's a surprise inactive, right? Like, like an hour and a half before kickoff, Sermon's inactive. We bet Elijah Mitchell plus like 825. Why can't Elijah Mitchell get the ball? Where if like, if it's like, and I'll use the Rams only because they won the Super Bowl, but like if it's Cam Akers and Sony Michelle and both guys get work and Akers gets more work, like an acres is plus one twenty to score a touchdown and Michelle's plus four fifty. Why wouldn't you bet Michelle? Like, why can't Michelle get the ball down by the goal line? So it's not like it's always going to work, but trying to find like market assumptions that the market is making that you might be able to exploit at like at strong plus money prices in the anytime touchdown was another one that I learned this season and look forward to trying to exploit that again this coming season. Love it. Make sure you check him out on social media at the Costos. Because that's how you can always know what Nick is up to. Really appreciate it, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ross and Steve, appreciate it. Wishing you guys and all your listeners minimal sweats, winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. <laughs> Thank you, I Nick. love when he says that. I also love Athletic Greens. You know why? Um, I'd rather just drink like a shake type deal than take pills. And I don't get as many vegetables as I should. So you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This is the way to do it, people. It's better than a multivitamin. It's a good way for your body to actually absorb it. It's a climate-neutral certified company, which is awesome. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash money. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash money to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Here's what I love, Steve, about... um, Here's what I love about Nick Costos, right? He tells the truth. Like some of these other shows, they act like they win all the time. That's what bothers me. They Other shows, people act like they're you. You know what I mean? But they're well, not it, you. The, the, there's an epidemic of, I can't tell you how many times after on Monday, all these people come out and say, oh, I knew the Bengals were solid value here. But now, wait a minute. I saw your show Friday. You didn't mention anything about you like the Bengals. Why did you suddenly like the Bengals Monday morning quarterback? That type of thing. It drives me crazy, Ross, when people do that. You know, I want to say something about Nick that I loved. And he really brings up great advice. Two things. One is when a team pivots and they stop doing what they had been doing. The Eagles were an example. 
if you just started playing Hertz under for his pass yards, you just kicked butt when you noticed that fundamental change that the Eagles were just going to keep running the ball. And secondly, he nailed it with an hour and a half. When that inactive list hits, when you got a running back by committee and one of your running backs can't go, or even better, the kicker can't go. That happened in one game. And you can bet a slew of props, like which team's going to have the longest field goal, and all the way down to, like, will a team have a two-point conversion attempt? You know what? If you don't have a kicker, you probably will. Stuff like that. So, okay, so the two – so I wouldn't even ask you that, but lessons – I love this. This is what this show is about. The lessons we learned, two of them that we talked about, is waiting for the inactive list and firing in props based on the inactive list. Um, and then making sure to take an account when a team pivots in strategy because all of the lines, the prop lines, are based on their like averages to that point, right? Exactly right. So, I mean, it can be as subtle even as far as a pivot of, hey, Zeke Elliott is banged up and everyone knows it and he was having a good year and he's just not going to get that usage going forward. Dallas is going to have to pivot and split their carries on their running backs, things like that. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Question for you, Steve. MLB. I know you and I were texting um, and you had some thoughts on MLB. I am so down on MLB. I mean, I'm angry, Ross. It's so obvious that they should enforce a pitch clock on the pitcher where he has to throw the ball within whatever it is, 15 seconds, or it's a ball. And the batter cannot step out of the batter's box. That's nonsense. Imagine you're playing in the NFL. You're about to go. You're on the goal line. Defense like, oh, nope, we're not ready. Give us another 20 seconds. Nonsense. I mean, if the rules had always been that way, that the batter wasn't allowed to step out and someone proposed, hey, we should let the batter step out of the batter's box, you would be ridiculed for the stupidest rule change of all time. So those two are slam dunks. Uh, Make those happen. And also, the ball's never in play. So lower the mound so there's fewer strikeouts. Deaden the ball slightly so every high fly ball isn't a home run. And all of a sudden, there's more action in baseball that would be so beneficial to the game. But the bottom line is, if these idiots bookend the great pandemic and they do shortened season 2020 and shortened season 2022, bye-bye. They're not going to lose one out of 100 fans. They're going to lose one out of 40, and I'll, I'll be one of them. The hell with you, MLB. I'll go ahead and watch Brian DeChambeau bomb his drives into gallery all summer long in bet golf. You know, that is real, that's really interesting about the batter and the batter box. I never thought of that, but you can't do that in other sports. Like, even in the NBA, like, you can't step off. I guess, can you step off the foul line? Not really. I I just, I I guess in tennis would be the other sport, you know, that has that that issue as well. But, you know, it just is ridiculous. Anything they can do to speed up the game, they should do. Like, baseball is one where if it was always seven innings, you'd be like, nine? You want to do two more? You know, and one more with golf. I, I mean, I love golf, but the hole's too small. If the hole had always been, like, 30% larger and someone proposed they shrink the hole, they would just get ridiculed. Golf's just hard as hell already. Now you want to make it impossible to ever get a hole-in-one and impossible for a hacker to ever get a birdie. That's dumb. <laughs> 
So next week, Steve, I'm fired up because our guy grades. Sean Grady is going to join us to talk about all of the data that he derived, the high-level data from our bets this year. That's going to be a fun one. I don't even know what time it'll be in Australia when he comes on, but that will be amazing. Really looking forward to it. And we'll get to some of your email questions, hopefully, because you guys keep firing them in. I love. Remember, if you want to guarantee that I ask Steve the question and you read and respond to it, you got to take advantage of one of our sponsors. So go to RossTucker.com, check out any of the sponsors, or go to Athletic Greens. That's one of them you heard today. Make sure you take advantage of our sponsors and send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. Then you go right to the top of the list of questions for Steve. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 